Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast, your weekly show about video games from the three most handsome men you know. I'm here tonight with Dave. Are you drinking ginger ale, Dave? Is that what that is in your Canada hand? Canada Dry. It's me in a bottle. Wow. Whoa. Wow. A little known story uh, that no one cares about, but I want to mention it now. Whenever we were starting, uh, I, I used to own a brewery before it burned in a tragic fire. Uh, but I used to own a brewery, and when we were buying our equipment, we wanted to do like a Frankenbrew system where we like got old vessels and like rec- you know reclaim them and use them. Our name was like Reclamation, so we wanted to do cool stuff like that. One of the big th- the big uh, metal, you know, stainless steel vats that we used had a sign on it that said domestic cheese it had been used to make cheese another one actually came from when i strip on the weekends yeah domestic cheese oh my another one of them um was was actually used to brew canada dry back in i think the 50s no shit yeah so little piece of you and little piece of me mixed together yeah maybe there we go i think uh ryan ginger is an underrated drink for those, I'm not drinking that tonight. I'm just drinking the the ginger. But um, yeah, Canada Dry, known around the world. That's what we're known for. Canada Dry, which is a good thing we're known for, and Canada Geese, which is a bad thing that we're known for. I think we covered that a few weeks ago. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, don't get me started. Don't get me started on the geese, the <laughs> sidewalk shit and geese. Brandon, uh, speaking of geese, how are you doing? I'm doing. You're buddy. surviving. I'm I'm living every day that's i mean that's usually how it works yeah yeah until i'm not mm-hmm. um but yeah we're here uh and we're doing it up doing it big talking about games this week i think uh that's on the itinerary we'll try it this time um but uh no canada drive for me i just finished a diet coke Ooh. Uh, um and uh would you like another i can't no? i can't i was questioning whether i should have this one and i was like fuck it it's just my body i'm just not gonna be able to sleep maybe but you know oh are you really sensitive to caffeine i don't know oh I thought for the longest time it had little to no effect on me. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, probably for other reasons, I had trouble sleeping. And I was like, it was probably the constant erections. Ben, you know this about me. (laughs) Uh, But I was like, I'm going to remove every barrier to affect sleep, whether it does or not. So I haven't tested it super thoroughly. Yeah. Um, But I have enough caffeine in the day. I'm like, got to stop at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So for the blood pressure for the heart 7 15 right now i think sure. you're, this is probably a good time you usually go to bed like midnight right yeah i was gonna say i think it's like something like caffeine has like a half-life after six hours it's like half of the caffeine that you consume is is gone something like that i don't know i wish that caffeine had i'm sure it has an effect on me but my body has become so conditioned to it since right as long as i can remember i could i, I wouldn't literally do this but like i could drink a two liter of Mountain Dew or an entire pot of coffee and then just go directly to sleep. Dude, the one night... I probably don't sleep as well. Yeah. If I, but I've never tested it otherwise. Like, yeah. I just, I wish that if I drank a Red Bull, I felt energized and I don't. Dude, the one time, Dave, we were at a, we were at a fire at Ben's and it, it was nighttime. I mean, we were having a fire. It had to have been like 9 30, 10 o'clock. And we hear Ben open a can. I thought it was like a cold one or something. And it was a, a rain energy, 300 milligrams at uh, 9 30, 10 I o'clock. I was like, holy. <laughs> This man is a trooper. More power to you. I mean, honestly, I'm not judging you. I, I'm kind of jealous. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of jealous of you guys. That's so. that, If I was trying to pull an all-nighter, I'd do something like that. But I was like you guys. Like I just kind of assumed my body had, had gotten used to caffeine. And I think it did to a certain point. But last summer, 
I made a bit of a mistake and I was making coffee at my mom's house and I'm not familiar with her coffee machine. So I just kind of wung it and the pot of coffee I made was way too strong, but I said, fuck it. And I drank it. And, um, man, I was, I was like seeing noises. It, it, (laughs) It really struck me that like my body had gotten used to a certain amount of caffeine, which is quite a bit, but in a certain dosage. And I had like exceeded that. Um, so yeah, be careful with caffeine. Be careful. Yeah. Dave was drinking like the sludge. He, he had double <laughs> or tripled. It was, it was thick coffee at this point. Yeah. I remember Chewy. there was the last time I can really remember being affected by caffeine, like, uh, in, in a bad way, I suppose, was when I was in college, I think it was my sophomore year and I went to big lots. I don't know if you're familiar with big lots, Dave, but they basically like, like they, it, it's like a discount store they basically like anything that a store whether they go out of business or whatever maybe they just have like too much or they're going out of date soon or something like that they the big lots buys them up in you know big lots and then they uh they, they sell them and you could really like you can go in there and find something for cheap pretty cheap sometimes they have like full full price stuff but that's you know that's just how they get you through the door is the cheap stuff Anyway, when I was in college, I used to go there and buy like 30 packs of ramen noodles. And, sure. You know, sure. So I bought a case of like, I, don't, I think they were like six or 10 ounces, something like that, of NOS energy drink, which I still love to this day. I love NOS energy drink. It's my favorite energy drink. But I bought a case and, and it was like, oh, these are just like little bite sized things, you know, sure. whatever. Yeah. And so I would drink two or three of those. God. And then I'd be like, Damn. like th- throughout the morning, you know, the day, whatever. I just like the taste. And then I was like shaking. After I, I was like, what's going on? Why am I feeling like this? And I was like, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. But I've since drank. I usually drink more caffeine than that just in coffee on a regular day. Right. So I don't think it's. Dude, my peak was, you know, monster in the morning, monster at lunch. Yeah. At some point I was like doing it consistently. I'm like, I got to stop doing this. I have to. St- <laughs> this is too much. And it, you know, you could drink a soda all for the whole day. And depending on how many you you drank, it still wouldn't be as much. Like some yeah. of these are three hundred milligrams a pop. I know. You know, what Crazy. I mean, for like what 16, 18 ounces, something like that. It's usually sixteen, yeah. Brandon, I remember the story you said about Monster Energy of one time you were driving down the road, back through a country road, going way too fast. I do that. Listening to some shitty rock band. <laughs> drinking monster energy sure and you were and you suddenly had the realization that you'd become what you hated dude i yeah <laughs> was it nickelback was that, was that who it was dude yeah it, it was either nickelback or he had a vape you know, too three days that's right i had a vape dude i might as well have been driving a subaru wrx um i yeah it's just like i and then wearing a tap out shirt um you know, I, yeah i <laughs> fucking jeans jeans in the in in the sandals yeah. jeans in the thongs um i might as well have been doing that um yeah sometimes you live long enough to see yourself become the villain yeah um yeah but. all you needed with you was like a uh, uh a woman with um bleach blonde hair um jean skirt j- no, jean skirt but it's tattered <laughs> there's some holes in it Black one eye. sleeve one sleeve black eye, black. <laughs> uh, of tattoos. Are you from America, Dave? How do you know that? <laughs> well, this is a show about video games and all sorts of other shit sometimes. If you want to help support us, I know it's early in the show. If this is your first time, you're like, what the hell are these guys doing? But if you want to help support us, you can go over to patreon.com slash hands of phantom. 
we you can sign up there for as little as one dollar a month that's less than 25 cents an episode episodes release every week one day ad free and early one day early and ad free for patrons and if you're not a patron, you can get the show still. That's totally fine. We don't mind you being around. Whether you're a patron or not, we'd love to have you over in our Discord at handsomefandom.com slash Discord. We appreciate all the members over there striking up good conversations about bear sex and Baldur's Gate and all sorts of stuff. But most of the time we talk about video games. And we will start doing that with news item number one. I don't know why I put this at number one, but it's the first one I saw, so I did. PlayStation 5 titles have maintained their dominance on the UK physical charts for the second consecutive week. This is attributed to summer sales and price-promoted bundles, which have propelled several first-party PS5 games to the top positions. LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, bundled with the PS5, surged from number six to claim the number one spot. Damn. That's insane, first of all. Dude, still. Just, let's just stop there for a second. Still. It, it did get bundled with the PS5, uh, apparently, in some some regions, but Skywalker Saga is getting kind of old. I know. No. I and mean, it's, let... it's a little over a year, I think. And I know LEGO games have mass appeal, but like, yeah. it's old. I bought that game and uh, played it for about 10 hours and I just got burnt out. Yeah. I was being too completionist on it. The UI's ass. It is. It's so... You're it's, not it, wrong. It's one of the worst I've seen. There's just too much. FIFA 23 slipped into number two or slipped to number two after an 11% drop week on week. God of War Ragnarok, interestingly enough, rose from 13 to six. Spider-Man Miles Morales went from 25 to number seven. Gran Turismo climbed from number 21 to number 8. Uh, in Nintendo news, Pikmin 4 fell to number 9 with a 38% decline in sales. That's not great. We'll get there. That is tough. Remnant 2, which debuted last week, landed at number 40 with a 47% decrease in sales. Also not great. Ghost of Tsushima, director's cut, old as shit, came back into the charts at number 33. Dark Souls Trilogy followed at number 39 with a 32% increase in sales. So that rounds it out at Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, FIFA 23, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Hogwarts Legacy, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, God of War Ragnarok, Sp Spider-Man Miles Morales, Gran Turismo 7, Pikmin, and Grand Theft Auto 5, which, by the way, is what caught my eye that Grand Theft Auto 5 was still on there, even on the precipice of a new Grand Theft Auto more than 10 years after its original release. It's still there. Dude, did, I doubt it's in the show, but... I think they said something like they sold 5 million copies last quarter for how old it is. Mm -hmm. It was like it was at 180 or something I saw on the tweet last quarter. And then it's at like 185 total million. Insane. Yeah. The real reason I, I wanted to talk about this, um, Dave, specifically, I'm targeting this at you. Uh, not really. It's just you're, you're the all digital guy. So this is specifically uh, boxed sales. So this is, you know, on the shelf, people buying them. I guess they could be buying them from Amazon as well, something like that. But uh, seems like seems like physical games are still churning around over there. Um, Remnant 2 was the one that surprised me the most with uh, they did have such a huge release and then had a, almost half of their sales, which I guess is kind of normal because it's just brand new. Anyway, Dave, what's your take on some of these older games? popping back up into the charts back in the uk yeah or back it's, in the ussr it's it's pretty wild um especially given that these are this is uk data and something knocked fifa 23 which is yeah. this year's fifa off 
um, you know, to knock that off in any any European country is um, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild, and for it to be Lego Star Wars, of, of, yeah. of any, I get it's bundled, but man, how deep was that sale? How deep was that discount? Because that that's that's just that's not what I would expect at all. So um, it's pretty pretty crazy to see anything kind of uh, dethrone FIFA in the UK. Um, I would like to see how these kind of stack up against digital sales in the same period. Obviously, that's not something we're really seeing here. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's still people out there who want their boxed um, their box games. They want that plastic. They want that uh, that that CD with the with the code on it and nothing else. Um, I, 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 again, also be curious to see how the split works because we did chat a couple of weeks ago about how Tesco, one of the biggest retailers in the UK, uh, yeah. very similar to Walmart is dropping, um, physical sales of games. And, you know, I've seen it over here in Canada, same thing at Walmart. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to find, um, you know, newer releases of games. They seem to get fewer. They used to have like a banger bin where it was just like a bunch of like games from the previous gen and everything was 10 bucks they don't yep. have that stuff anymore and it's it's really sad so i mean it's good to see that uh people are still getting what they want but um i don't know this might look different uh in about a year down the line but uh time will tell i suppose but uh skywalker saga good for you you've dethroned fifa in 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 one of the hardest places to do it so lego games they're still they're still going strong Brandon, what do you think about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe being at number three? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. That yeah. Of all the games that are on this list, that one probably surprises me the least. Um, I think Dave does bring up a good point. We did talk about the staggering uh, difference in the physical versus the digital sales and how small this pull actually is. That's true. In retrospect. So I think even though this is a an interesting lineup we have here this week. We still need to keep the context of that in mind. So, I mean, I'm glad to see anything chugging along physically. Um, I guess Spider-Man Miles Morales, obviously an amazing title, but I think some of that has to do a jump from 25 to what's that at four? Is that five? It's like seven, seven. I think we're getting some cross pollination from Spider-Man two, which I guess is super duper good for them. I mean, whenever you can, pull your audience back in um i would love to see what the original you know well not the original but uh the uh old ps4 title to see if that charted whatsoever and where because i would bet any money that that's the reason we're seeing miles pop back up if Um, you buy i just thought about hold on if if you buy a bundle and it comes with a code for lego star wars in this case are they counting that as a physical sale i would say probably yeah, I would say I bet you any money. So, I mean, this data is obviously kind of strange and skewed no matter what. Um, I'm glad to see that in any capacity, I guess something it's considered physical. So that way these companies know there is some demand for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these games are very old. Um, and I guess that PlayStation's going pretty strong right now because most of those are PlayStation titles. Or heavily PlayStation titles. We got a couple there. So and they're no, old. No Call of I, Duty I that, either, which is interesting. Dude, yeah. don't even get me fucking started <laughs> on that shit. I don't think you're gonna talk about it, Ben. And I'm just gonna talk about it for two seconds. They just did am I the only one that see this? The Modern Warfare three. I did see trailer. it, but I didn't put it in the notes. Dude, come on. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> um 
I do have a Call of Duty story later, so we can expand on. I don't Call of Duty. I don't more. want to spend almost any time on this anymore. Um, but besides this and Mortal Kombat One, I I think are pretty close to being tied for the shortest turnaround from first trailer to launch game. Um, and I think Mortal Kombat it's okay because it's more of like a shadow drop. Mm-hmm. I think that Call of Duty so shitty because they originally said they weren't going to offer one, and now they're trying to pull the switcheroo. Well, in fairness. Even though I don't like to do this, I don't think they ever said that. I think Jason Schreier and some other people reported oh, that. Bro. Which stop dicking us down. I mean stop dicking us down. Those guys that second. those guys that do that kind of reporting usually don't report baselessly. Oh, I mean, like that was probably true. Yeah. They just didn't announce it. I might end up being a shell, and I'm not gonna say it, but I have a really I have a feeling that this may be the first year that I might not get Call of Duty. Yeah. I don't know. I can't say for sure because, you know, it'll probably come out and everybody will be like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, I mean, in fairness, you know, just we've been doing shows just, together a long time. Just, and you have said that at least three years before. I know. But, bro, when does it stop? See, that's that's the never ending cycle of madness I keep achieving when playing these games yeah. is that for the first month, it is fucking hype central. OK, but I just need to remember that. Remind me, boys. Where it, <laughs> If I stray on the dark path once again this year, mm-hmm. remind me that I need to think about my actions. Okay. That, that's all I'm saying. I need to have a little bit more thought when it comes to this sort of thing because I'm not happy with the series. And so I need to express that. Understood. I, I can't have a fear of missing out anymore because in reality, is it going to be that much different than last year's? No. Exactly. So... Uh, for myself and for the audience just some food for thought that's all moving on to more nintendo i was going to talk about pikmin 4 real quick that's not great that they went from three to nine one week after release yeah dude first of all it's nintendo yeah so i mean absolute fucking powerhouse but i really with how well the game critically seems to be doing i would assume that they would skyrocket and it's it's a pretty big series i mean people have been asking about it for years and years i am genuinely surprised at seeing that i mean don't get me wrong it's still selling quite well oh no no doubt because it's nintendo but oh it looks like that that hogwarts legacy um slotting in there at number four um it has come down from last week the the boycott must be finally working yeah dude it's finally (laughs) catching up finally (laughs) everyone's voting with their wallets here Number two, Nintendo's latest financial results. This is a little bit of old news, but that's okay. Nintendo's latest financial results for the first quarter of 2024 up until June 30th reveal that the Nintendo Switch family of systems, including the standard model, the Lite, and the OLED, continue to perform exceptionally well. The total number of Nintendo Switch units sold has reached an impressive 129.53 million, probably no doubt at 130 million at minimum by now marking a 13.9% increase in year-on-year sales. The success is attributed in part to strong sales of Tears of the Kingdom. Here's the breakdown of Switch hardware for the first quarter of 2024, uh, fiscal year 2024. Total Switch hardware sales, 3.91 million. Total standard Switch sales, 0.64. OLED, 2.83. And Lite, 0.43. While the Switch's current ranking doesn't surpass the Nintendo DS, it's closing in and maintaining a strong position among Nintendo's best-selling consoles. As of June 30th, the rankings stand as follows, and I won't read all these through, but basically we go from the DS at 154 
the Switch at 129, the Game Boy at 118, the Wii at 101, all the way down to the Wii U at 13.56, which is crazy low for any Nintendo system. Uh, Dave, you've got a Switch. I have a base Switch. I probably would not have upgraded to the OLED had I not gotten an insane deal from a friend on it. Um, but how are you feeling about the Switch's continued success? And, you know, let's just slip in there a little bit into the realm of uh, of the new Switch, the, the new details we're seeing on that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty impressive. It, it looks like the trajectory for this console is going to put it as the reigning champion of uh, Nintendo consoles at some point in the near future. Um and it's impressive. I mean, I mean, Nintendo really took a gamble on this thing. Um, and obviously they made a good bet coming off the Wii U. Um, it was good to see a company like Nintendo um, kind of be able to admit they, they made a mistake. They misread the market with the Wii U and move off of it quickly onto the Switch. And it's a great little console. I've been on a move uh, on the move a lot this summer and, and it's really come in handy. So I'm happy to see this. Um, it's, I guess the OLED is basically this standard switch now. Like from a, a stock circulation standpoint, it's probably a lot harder to find the the older, the original um, switch. So uh, I would just 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 to cut in. I would actually say that of the times I've actually taken a gander at them in stores, I've not seen almost any OLED switches. I almost only see the regular ones, and maybe that's because people are buying up the OLED ones. Yeah, but I have a feeling that the OLED sales are mostly because it is more expensive are mostly people who already have a switch double dipping that's yeah, my guess and I, i'd love to just as an aside i'd love to see sort of the lifetime breakdown of how the light actually sold because yeah that that was obviously a light version of the console but it it really took um uh, a pretty strong aspect of the switch and eliminated it for for the sake mm -hmm. of cost and i personally played 90 percent of the time in handheld mode but i wouldn't want a light because I, I really I really like the idea of, of having that docked um, mode but um, but I mean this this heating up of sales for switch I, I, I'm sure Nintendo probably saw it coming Tears of the Kingdom is a generational game but it I think it puts them in a bit of an odd position because all signs are pointing to the next switch coming early uh, in 2024 none of that is official but uh, based on everything we've heard, it sounds like that was the plan. But you don't want to release a new console or even announce a new console when sales on your current console are still pretty hot. You generally want to catch it like on the decline. But you know, if 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 Nintendo kind of has operational plans to push this thing out in in the first or second half or the first or second quarter of 2024, then it's going to put them in kind of an odd situation because you know if the Switch is selling, you leave well enough alone. Um, you know, I'm sure as we get further away from uh, Tears of the Kingdom's release, it'll it'll cool off a little bit, and you know maybe we'll they'll announce like a an upres version of Tears of the Kingdom on on this new Switch, or we'll finally get something from Metroid Metroid Prime um, or something like that. But I, I got to think that Nintendo's in a bit of an odd situation here. Um, I still think we're going to hear about the next Switch before the end of the year. Um, and I'm really curious to see what they go with, whether it's it's just sort of a, um, you know, a Switch 2 or if it's going to be something a little bit different with some new functionality. But um, yeah, good for Nintendo. I, I really like my Switch, so good for them. Brandon, um, as far as the sales, 
you know, we kind of we kind of been there. Nintendo's never going to die, whatever. Sure. But they're at 130 million. The the goal, I guess you could say, to beat the DS, which they had like 900 iterations of, would be another 25 million, which seems unlikely at this point in the life cycle. Certainly not out of grasp. I'm pretty sure they're going to continue selling the Switch even after its successor comes out. But I was wondering, Brandon, hmm. are you going to buy whatever the next Nintendo Switch console is? Well, I said Nintendo Switch, the next Nintendo console. All the rumors are saying it's very Switch-like. Right. Um, I think that will solely depend on how they... Uh, I don't want to say support, but how they manage their ecosystem like if i'm able to play everything that i have on my switch Mm -hmm. all the new games on my switch i'd say probably not yeah honestly i think it would be really smart for them to that's almost never happened by the way to play new games on an old system yeah definitely not on 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 nintendo that's for sure but um yeah staggering numbers no doubt i'm hoping that the next switch um has the pack in uh pack in stick drift that everyone loves right right um (laughs) but uh but uh yeah this is astronomical numbers and i mean i agree with you ben i think it's going to be very difficult for them to pass the heights of the ds at this point i mean their biggest chance just went by as far as I'm concerned Yeah. in the time frame we have left with this console. I don't think anything is going to come out after this. That's going to be as big as tears of the kingdom. Probably not. They've already sold three fifths of the amount of tears of the, of uh, breath of the wild that they've sold total um, already in like two months, right? Like 30 million compared to the 50 million of, of breath of the wild, but it's certainly not impossible. It is insane to think about 50 million units of a game selling in with Nintendo. It's like, yeah, that's, that seems reasonable with every other, everybody else you hit like 1 million sales and it's a, you know, astounding victory. And they're tweeting about it. And they're tweeting about it. Nintendo's like, yeah, we just crossed 30 million. No big deal. Yeah. Um, it's here's, here's a, a kind elderly general uh, Japanese man to tell you about our next game. Right. Yeah. So props to them, I guess they do it big. They do it like no other, uh, company can, but I guess we'll see. I'll be passingly interested in the switch too, but, um, unless I come into like a bunch of money or something, I really don't think aside from like three games, yeah, which gave me my money's worth in the switch. If it wasn't for those three games and that's not very many games as far as I'm concerned for sure. an entire console. So even though I do like my switch generally, and I've had some amazing gaming moments on it, mm-hmm. I'll definitely be uh, thinking quite a bit about a switch too. And, who knows? I guess anything could happen, but it is interesting because we know that they still have a couple decent sized sellers coming. We've got Metroid that they've been advertising for the Switch for years. Um, Mario Wonder is uh, advertised as coming this fall for the Switch, which there definitely won't be a new one by then. So there's a couple decent sized mainline games from Nintendo still coming out before the end of this life cycle. And I would imagine. That let's say they put out I don't know, interesting example another Pokemon game next year, even if the new Switch or the new console is out, that's probably one that's going to do a cross gen uh, because yeah. they always seem to have one or two big games that end up being cross gen at the end of their life cycle into the next one. So we'll see. They could they could hit that hundred and fifty four million mark, but I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's a lot of units. 
Although the new Switch is rumored, maybe this is just for the dev kits they sent out, but not to have an OLED screen, to have the the same old screen we had on the launch Switch. Yeah, it's kind of whack. Which is not a good move in my opinion, but hey, Nintendo will still sell 100 plus million of them. So Yeah, they could sell you a toaster with a screen on it and it would sell fucking... Oh, it probably wouldn't even need a screen. <laughs> just a toaster. They're just like, it makes Mario sounds and it's like, I want it! <laughs> Wahoo! <laughs> Every time when your when your bread started to burn, you hear the Bowser like dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Number three in the newly released Warzone Season Five, Call of Duty has introduced a real time alert system into its ricochet cheating system. Now, if the ricochet system removes a suspected cheater from the game, the kill feed will immediately notify all players in the lobby. This enhancement to the anti-cheat system aims to keep players informed about the removal of dishonest players and reinforce fair play. The Ricochet system, first introduced in 2021, has been progressively updated, upgraded with new features as it actively targets and bans thousands of accounts engaged in cheating. It employs various mitigations, such as disarming weapons and creating decoy characters called hallucinations, which we talked about last week. Uh, Brandon, this is something I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Not only because I think it's a good move, you know, sure. people get nervous about their account getting banned and um you know they they may mean it will think twice about cheating or maybe they'll turn off their hacks or whatever but uh first of all why wasn't this there before that's the question we always ask about call of duty cheating and second of all why did it take BattleBit remastered coming out and doing this for them to decide to implement that's exactly what i i was literally thinking the exact same thing it i think it's good for the player right but i think it's more like in battle bit it seemed sincere like we right. cared from the start right call of duty's doing this and not just because i have a little bit of a, a bone to pick with them it's just like look at how look how little hackers there are see every single lobby they get banned we're doing something yeah you know i don't know i do think that they probably have good intentions for their company of course um but i think that the main driving force is people leaving in droves and not actually giving a fuck about people cheating right um so yeah i don't know i'm kind of down on uh the duty series if you couldn't tell this podcast the duty um no i guess this is good and i think that if BattleBit had to be the one to kick kick them in the ass i think that there's no better game um to make a lot of the first person shooter companies think twice um than such a simple and complex in some ways uh, wonderful experiences that is so yeah this is good i'm glad they keep adapting but um it's for reasons no. not, probably not the reasons that we want yeah so yeah we'll probably find out in like an expose in 10 years that hacking actually costs them x amount of money somehow <laughs> so that's why they did it right not because of the player experience they're in bed with the cheating companies or something yeah <laughs> they're actually the ones who create <laughs> yeah. the hacks and sell them yeah they're like look at look at this band them dave uh a little bit of a different question because obviously you know hacking is bad we don't like to do it but um have you ever have you ever had the temptation i think about this sometimes have you ever had the temptation in a game like wow i just want to mess up everybody's day i should cheat like i should i should figure out how to to make this work in my advantage has there even been a temptation for you no like when i was a kid and i and and you would have cheats like i i would you know, find cheats in a magazine or something. And I, I put them in just to kind of screw around with it and see what was possible. But it became kind of not fun pretty quickly because it's just like, there was no challenge anymore. And I'm just, you know, I've spawned six different tanks in grand theft auto and I didn't have to 
you know, get into an Air Force base to steal them or something. So it's just, okay, you know, blowing everything up is fun for a few minutes, but um, not for long. Um, the, the pursuit is what's fun for me. And, and I, in, in the limited kind of gameplay that I have with competitive stuff, it wouldn't really feel all that fun to just kind of see all the enemies through walls or not even have to aim. Like, I don't know. I want to get good at that stuff and feel like, you know, kind of, I, I invested some time and, and, and improve my, my KD, not, I just, you know, put on some program, I guess some people are driven to do it because, you know, they're streaming or something and they want to look really good and, and, you know, people won't watch if you're shit. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I've never really had the temptation. I do really like this change um, because I, you know, just reading it in this article, I always thought like, how would people have known in the past, like when a cheater has been caught? Like you don't actually, there's no direct like notification. You just kind of feel like there's less cheating going on or you would see the odd press release from Activision or something saying we've banned X amount of cheaters. But like having that real time like feedback that somebody has been banned is it's 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 got to be much better for the experience and especially like if you've fallen victim to somebody uh like in a lobby and then like you see them get banned that's got to be even more satisfying <laughs> so yeah. it's uh i'm with i'm with you guys on this it's 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 good to see this is i think from an experience standpoint i don't know if it's going to fix anything i i think what we talked about last week is probably a little bit better in terms of tracking player behavior and actually letting them cheat for a little bit longer before they're booted but for the people who are, are just ha- trying to have an honest good time, um, it's it's always nice to show them when when you know you're taking action against this kind of thing. So yeah. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape. You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Number four, and I'm going to say this name the way I know to say it, but I know that it is actually pronounced multiple different ways, and I can't remember which one's the right one. But Kina, Bridge of Spirits, the 2021 action-adventure game developed by Ember Lab, managed to break even just a month after it's launched. The co-founders of Ember Lab shared insights in an interview about their approach to game development and their future projects. They discussed how Kena Bridge of Spirits grew in scope during development and emphasized their preference for creating games that are approachable and appealing to players with busy lives like themselves. While they plan to take on more ambitious projects, they aim to balance complexity with digestibility. Interestingly, the co-founders hinted that their next endeavor might not be a traditional video game. With a background in film and a love for linear media, they expressed interest in exploring the Kena universe Kina, let's see, I already, I already mixed it up, uh, through different mediums beyond interactive gaming. The game is centered around Kena, Kina, a young spirit guide skilled in mystical arts who helps souls transition from the mortal realm to the spiritual world. It's a third person, et cetera, et cetera. Dave, I don't know, did you get a chance to play Kena or Kina or whatever back when it came out? Kena, I, I've never heard Kina, Kena. I, know, I don't know which I, one's right, but I just always thought it was I, Kena. I thought it was Kenna, but I heard someone who seemed like they would know say Kina. Right. And I heard a different pronunciation. So I don't know which one's right. It's kind of like Ubisoft and Ubisoft for me. Right. But anyway, okay. whatever you Correct. want to call it. Have you ever played it? I've never played it. Um, I, I I thought it looked like a really cool game. I, I've seen people stream it and it, it looked really good. 
uh never jumped into it myself this was on playstation plus a little while ago but um to hear that a game like this with this aesthetic in, in on PlayStation 5 launching when it did, which was, I don't know, like 16 months ago or something like that. Um, I'm really, really, really happy to hear that it broke even a month after launch because this is, this is the perfect game to get, you know, kind of some good coverage uh, leading up to launch and then get completely lost. And nobody buys it. People just watch it. People wait for it to go on a deep sale. So, um Really happy to see that a, a small developer kind of um, was able to churn out a success like this. So I don't know. Did you play it? I played it for about an hour. Uh, I don't. I didn't buy it, and they didn't send it to me. I don't remember how I played it. If it was on a subscription or right. somebody bought it, and I I don't know. I don't remember how I played it. But yeah, I thought it was cute, but it just wasn't what I was looking for at the moment. Um, there, Brandon, the reason I wanted to bring this story up is because they talked about not wanting to make a traditional video game and maybe doing some video or like a um maybe a movie or something in the future mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure these uh the people who made this game were uh, either at imagination or pixar or one of those like you know groundbreaking like they were somehow affiliated there sure but what do you think a game that's not a video game like it's still gonna be a game right but they have way more of a cinematic animation studio is what i was going for they have much more of that going like what what could that be visual novel yeah i mean there's been some games that have tried to do this sort of thing the movie type video game um i I find it very interesting there's other uh people like netflix who tried to do the whole black mirror decision thing that i think is like more of a a movie or a show than a video game i would love somebody that has video game experience um to kind of mold the two i think it could be a really interesting concept mm-hmm. um and i do love the idea of linear because so often nowadays we get things that are just so vast and open open-ended in a lot of ways so i can enjoy a good linear story every once in a while but i'm glad to see like dave said that they broke even yeah um especially on what seems to have been a pretty ambitious title for maybe a studio that didn't really have the set of tools that maybe other studios did or the experience but um, I never played it myself. I was waiting for it to go on sale. And then it, it what Dave said, it just kind of got lost. Yeah. So um, wouldn't mind trying it at some point. It seemed very cute. Um, yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Number five, Red Dead Redemption. This is a story we've been talking about for a while, and it's come to its very disappointing conclusion. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption, the acclaimed Western adventure, is set to launch on PS4 and Nintendo Switch on August 17th. That is next week, ladies and gentlemen. The classic title, originally released on PS3 and Xbox 360 in 2010, is being brought to modern platforms by Double Eleven Studios, a UK developer. Additionally, the PS5 will support backward compatibility for this port. It is important to note that this release is not a remaster. It's also not a remake, but rather it is a conversion, as described by Rockstar. While it won't feature major graphical overhauls, it does come with some enhanced language support including multiple different languages. The cost for this nostalgic journey is $50 on the Nintendo Switch eShop and PlayStation Store. Physical versions will also be available starting on October 13th. Unfortunately, there's been no release of a PC or Xbox release, and Red Dead Redemption has never been officially released on PC. Um, It is worth noting that it is available through backwards compatibility. So if you have a Series X or you have it digitally, uh, you can pop in the disc or just load up your game. And I think it's in 4K. It's at least higher resolution 
and I'm pretty sure a better frame rate as well on the Xbox already. So that's probably the reason it's not getting an Xbox release. Brandon, we've been talking about how much we wanted a, a Red Dead 1 remaster or sure. remake or anything. And we said, just bring it to modern consoles. I don't think this is what we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, this seems very um, lackluster mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, I've seen a lot of discourse on the internet about the frustration with the price tag. Um, and I think that this has to be one of the most half-baked ways they could have possibly done this. Um, yeah. I, w- I would rather they have given it to Grow Street like they did right. the, the GTA trilogy and screw it up. I mean, yeah. Then just not even do anything to it. I mean, at this point, do I wish AI would have fixed it yeah. a little or, or made it look a little prettier? I don't know. I'm not saying that. You know, obviously I'm joking around, but um, yeah, man, I I didn't expect this. Um, I guess I should expect it from Rockstar now. I mean, this has been the second time I've been questioning their decisions, but um, yeah, man, just a little bit of a letdown. Um, I guess for people that want to re-experience that they can but i know i'm not going to be paying 50 dollars to play it on my playstation i'm gonna pop in my disc to my series x yeah or if you have an xbox i think it's probably 20 or 30 bucks for the original disc probably i mean it might have gone up after this announcement but no i saw that because like you can get that bundled with the Undead Nightmare. I saw yes. it on, on Reddit as well. Oh, I don't think I mentioned that. Undead Nightmare is going to be part of this. Okay. So at least you have well, that. Good, good, yeah. good. So, yeah, I mean, as excited as I was, this is definitely not what I was hoping for. Um, and I guess it kind of is what it is. It will get it in more people's hands. Yeah. But probably, hmm, I don't know that there could have been a... a, a a more lackluster way of, the, of them <laughs> presenting this to me. If they had just reprinted the same game on a new disc and sold it for 60, that might've been more. Yeah. Lackluster. Yeah. And that would be like, yeah. Wow. Dave, uh, as the number one switch connoisseur, how's, how do you think red dead's going to run on your switch? Well, I can finally play it in Polish. So <laughs> there's that. Um, I mean, I, I can't, I wonder it. First of all, I would try this on switch. Yeah. Um, cause I think it's old enough that it might run well and playing this port portably would, uh, mm-hmm. would, would be pretty fun. Uh, it wouldn't be my first choice, but I would try it. Um, I wonder if there were plans to, to remake this the same way that they did the GTA trilogy. But when they saw what happened with that, they backed off and maybe they don't have the resources internally to support, GTA Online and GTA 6 development and just said, fuck it. Let's just re- re-release it, uh, not do any work into it. We know how lazy Rockstar can be, and they can be lazy because, you know, they, they're they printing money right now. They As we said, Grand Theft Auto V has, has been, you know, has been charting for 10 years. Uh, yeah. Grand Theft Auto Online will not die. People just keep putting money into that game. So, you know, maybe they, they were going to take the easy way out, but then just said, you know what, um, outsourcing this isn't going to be a good idea because, you know, we, we, we kind of ran into some trouble with, with the trilogy. So this is the next best thing for them. And you know what? People are going to buy it. They're going to make a lot of money off this re-release. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's really too bad, but 
it is what it is, I suppose. And you can play, I was actually just reading today, uh, in, in some positive news, if you have a hacked PS5, Brandon, you can play Red Dead Redemption 2 in 60 frames per second. God go. damn. It's been modded. Dude, yeah. dude, now I can play, if I hack my PS5, which is a very questionable thing to do, I can play Bloodborne at 60 frames a second, Yeah, and I can play Red Dead. There you go. That's true. Think about that, Sony. Just think about that. <laughs> Um, Dave, I think you might be onto something with the fact that they were thinking about doing it because, as I mentioned last week, we got all those images of the Outlaw collection a year or two ago. And I don't know if those were real or not, or if they were, you know, just you know, just leaked completely or if they were fake entirely. Who knows? But that might have been uh, that might have been on the agenda. That, and then it got chopped after the the GTA ports. You might be that might be a, a, Dude. a tenable theory. Why put the whole map in Red Dead 2? Why? Exploration. You can't get there. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Why? I don't know. You know, there has to have been some bigger plan. Yeah. Like, there has to have been, right? I guess. I think so. And then GTA, or, I'm sorry, I'm getting all fucking confused. Red Dead 2 Online shit the bed. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. There was something else there. I'm... I don't know what it is, but there was something going on and they had to pivot. Yeah. That has to be it. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Number six. And the final one. Baldur's Gate 3 developer Larian Studios is adamant about maintaining its independence and has no plans to be acquired by a larger company. The studio's founder expressed that while the idea of acquisition is flattering, the strength of the company lies in his direct involvement in gameplay decisions. Larian values the creative freedom that comes with independence and aims to create games that prioritize player experience. Regarding recent rumors of Microsoft considering acquisitions, including Larian, he emphasized his commitment to the studio's autonomy. He acknowledged that the success of Baldur's Gate 3 has been beyond their expectations, but it hasn't changed their future plans. Larian Studios is focused on making immersive, multiplayer systems-driven RPGs while maintaining a cinematic and storytelling approach. Baldur's Gate 3 has seen remarkable success since launch. With its player count soaring on Steam, it has become one of Steam's most played games, surpassing concurrent player counts for things like Valheim and Apex Legends. I think it's currently sitting at the number three for most concurrent players of all time. Brandon, we were talking about BG3 a little bit before the show. Yeah. Um, first of all, what do you think about Larian and their decision not to be acquired? Good for them. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's very hard nowadays to kind of stick to your guns, especially when the big boys are waving checks at you. Um, whether that be the Chinese or the Americans, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the good Polish. for them. Yeah. Good for them. Um, what's that? Or the Polish. Or the Polish. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> but uh, no, this is good. And I think they hit it right on the nose. I mean, it will allow them to prioritize what they want to prioritize. And being acquired um, oftentimes does not mean that. Yeah. I would say most times. So um really glad to see the success of this game um we've been watching this for a while it's been in early access for uh-huh. a while um so a lot was known about this game but actually seeing it in the hands of many people and based off the numbers in many hands of people that may not have typically enjoyed this type of game um is really good for the genre um and is really good for larian so yeah this is great i don't know whether i'm going to be picking it up or not um just to be completely frank with you guys it's very intimidating to me Mm -hmm. um in a lot of ways uh, incredibly intimidating um that hasn't stopped me before with games but um yeah we'll see man 
it's going to be a big next couple months as far as games go. I don't know if I'll be able to squeeze it in, but who knows? Yeah. It's also huge. It seems it's like very something big. that you could just play forever. Very so. big and very replayable. Yeah. Dave, uh, your thoughts on Larry and not wanting to get acquired and also your thoughts on, uh, are you going to be playing Baldur's Gate three? Yeah. Good for Larry. And um, I think they, they did uh divinity original sin as well. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was that. That's that's been a game that that has such a strong following and has for so long. And Baldur's Gate three was in early access for quite some time. And if if Larian yeah. was answering to you know a publisher, if they were not independent like they are, this game one probably wouldn't have been in early access, uh, and two would have been rushed out probably six to nine months too early. And rather than this success story that we're talking about um you know we'd probably be getting apologies about all the broken systems and bugs and stuff like that so good for larian for sticking to their guns and and wanting to uh work at their own pace and release quality products and take steps um that they think are appropriate and take gambles because releasing a game in early access is it's it's got positives but there's also risks there i mean you risk kind of really um, pulling the hot air out of uh, a really successful launch uh, of, you know, really kind of striking when the iron's hot and, and they took that risk and it's really paid off for them. So good for them. Um, as far as uh, Baldur's Gate, I'm with you, Brandon. It's, it's just a little bit too um, intimidating for me. It's, it's the system, you know, if, if you're in the discord, if you're not in the discord, feel free to join. But if you are, and I know a lot of people in our discord are playing and, and I, someone needs to tell me that this game is, is to be enjoyed and it's not nearly as intimidating. I think, please let me know because it seems like a really, really quality game that uh, people are enjoying. But yeah, as it stands, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little uh, intimidated by this one. I'll, I'll enjoy it on Twitch. How about that? How about that? Well, speaking of Baldur's Gate three, let's move into what we've been playing. And uh, that's not really a tease. I've I've played uh, Baldur's Gate 3 for about an hour, which basically got me through the character creator in the opening scene last night. Uh, I've been away for, I was away for four days, something like that. So I haven't really played a whole lot. The biggest things I played while I was away, I played a little bit of Final Fantasy 1 Pixel Remaster. And by a little bit, I mean probably a couple hours. Um, I figured out how to get it running on my Mac. Um, I won't go into detail because... I'm not even 100% sure it was all legal. I mean, I didn't pirate it, but um, the the software I used to play it might not be. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so I played a little bit of that. It, it's Final Fantasy 1. I don't need to talk about it. It's done really well and um, just I haven't played it in probably 20 years. So it's kind of it was kind of fun to jump in. I don't know if I'll keep playing it or not, but. And then also Midnight Suns. I think I've got probably about 12 or 13 hours in this game since I started playing it almost. Uh, maybe 10 days ago. And uh, finally, the Legendary Edition, I found it on sale, a code for on sale for like 35 bucks. I had to bite on it because I've been wanting to play it. And it's really enjoyable. I was telling Brandon before the show, the thing I don't like about it is the thing I thought I would like about it. There's a lot of story and stuff like that. I think you can skip a lot of it, but it does lend its, um, it, it lends to the gameplay because when you have an interaction with somebody or you rank up your like relationship level with them or whatever, uh, it gives you some uh, some buffs for the uh, for the actual gameplay, and it's you know it's a it's a turn based kind of like XCOM game, and it's a lot of fun. The combat is really fun. I'm really enjoying the card system and everything else, but I will say that 
I just want more of that and less uh, running around the grounds trying to interact with stuff. And maybe that changes a little bit further into the game. But so far, I'm kind of like, okay, just let me do the fighting. But I bought the Legendary Edition. It was the one on sale. And I um, so I have like all the DLC to play afterwards and everything, which I'm interested in it. I like the characters and everything, but I really just want to fight. That's I want to fight with a a little bit of storytelling sprinkled in instead of storytelling with a little bit of fighting sprinkled in. Uh, That's pretty much it for me. Brandon, let's go to you. Yeah. So uh, right after the show last week, um, I beat Remnant 2. Yeah. Very enjoyable experience overall. Um, I think I said this maybe last week. Um, Out of nowhere, I really did not expect to even be playing this game, let alone knowing what it was in general. So props to them um their continued support of the game is good as well um i think i said last week they did really really well um it seems like they maybe fell off on the physical uk charts a little bit um but the concurrent players are still i'm sure well beyond what they potentially expected so um yeah nothing more to say about that other than really enjoyable experience i'm wondering how replayable it's going to be for me yeah um it's incredibly replayable in general based on the way that the game is set up um but we'll see how long it sticks around glad to have owned it um and who knows maybe we'll jump back in someday because it was quite a bit of fun sure um but uh, i finished forza hot wheels um super super good um honestly i said everything i need to say about it last week it's just really fun to be driving around on the track all you really need to say is forza hot wheels and you kind of get the picture yeah seriously so good stuff um man i just love uh, love forza five just so good man um and uh along with the hot wheels dlc i got the the bundle um i got the forza rally which is really Ooh. cool as well yeah um doesn't really reinvent the wheel too much there's kind of like rally racing in the base game um but the add-on to the rally adventures um is the call outs if you've ever watched a rally race they have two people in the car um, and the driving is fast paced enough that they essentially have to be like bare left, hard left, hard right. So that's kind of fun. Um, having watched some rally racing before to kind of experience that in a game um, is pretty interesting. So um, that's really the biggest change in the Forza, aside from being in a new area mm-hmm. um, that isn't very big. So overall, not quite as interesting as the Hot Wheels, um, just by way of what we're doing here. But um yeah cool overall just glad to be playing this game i've played it a lot i've actually prestiged i guess i didn't even know that was a thing mm-hmm. i'm like level 213 or 14 after level 200 you essentially start over yeah um and now i'm i'm like it says level 14 but there's like a little star by my name so okay um yeah i'm kind of running out of things to do in the game yeah <laughs> so um just waiting for the next car adventure to come out so. brandon you're the type of person who would benefit from a wheel i know yeah i know my well my biggest problem is is i would i've already beat gt7 and that would be the like primo experience for the wheel as far as i'm concerned yeah um i would want it to feel as if i have the peripherals to make it feel real i want it to be the most real experience possible if that makes sense sure so like a game like forza i'm sure would be super fun yeah and I guess I could probably maybe tweak the settings to make it feel a little bit more like GT7. But because I've already beat that, yeah, I'm like, man, I wish I would have had a wheel then. Well, Motorsport's coming out soon. 
yeah, true. Yeah. I, I honestly think it. I've never played a mo a, a motorsport. I've I've been a Forza guy, uh-huh. um, Horizon guy, and not a motorsport guy. Right. But I would imagine they play almost identical. Like I, I would imagine that just because they're on a track, I don't think that's going to change much about the moment to moment gameplay. It'll just change the setting. Right. If I had to guess, I could be wrong. Sorry, did I you don't say think... Forza Horizon and Motorsport play the same? Or are you talking about Forza and GT7? They, they definitely don't. He, he was saying he Forza thinks they... Motorsport and Forza Horizon don't play the same? No. They're very no, different. No, no. I've never played a motorsport. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a lot more like a, a Gran Turismo experience motorsport is. I think it's it's slightly more arcadey. But the 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 difference, like like motorsport and Horizon, are miles apart. Are they really okay? Yeah. I, that honestly, I was already excited to play motorsport, um, but that that's actually wonderful news. I'm actually really glad to hear that. So who knows? Maybe I should get a wheel. Go but check out the the previous motorsport on Game Pass. You can't. What? They took it off. They did. Yeah. Dick move. I didn't know that. Dick move. They don't want to get cut into their own market, but I'm like. It's not coming out until what, like fucking October or some shit? They took it off when? I don't know, bro, because I had the same exact thought. Because I downloaded the last Forza when I was getting bored with 5 for a little bit before I bought the DLC. Yeah. And I was like, ah, okay, this is like the same shit, but feels older, so I don't want to play this. And so I was like, wait, I've never tried a motorsport. And then it was like, yeah, pay 50 bucks. And I'm like, hell no, I have Game Pass. Why would I? I can't believe they did that. I know. Isn't that shitty? It's pretty shitty. Well, yeah. October 10th. Yeah. So coming soon. Yeah. It's very different. I've only played a little bit of motorsport in the past and uh, it just, it wasn't my thing, but I think you would like it. Yeah. Knowing, I'm knowing how much you like racing. So games. glad to hear that. Yeah. To be honest, it's with you. A, remember how Dave talked a lot about how horizon is just more of a car game, right? It's more of a driving game. Mm-hmm. Uh, motorsport is a racing game. Okay. It's not a stick around on back roads game. Sure. Yeah. Which is exactly what I'm looking for. So, awesome to hear yeah dave what about um you? so i've been playing uh sleeping dogs on my no on my shit. ps5 um i don't know if i think i randomly watched a video of somebody like a platinum video on sleeping dogs recently and i don't know if i picked up on youtube's algorithm or this game is actually seeing a bit of a renaissance because i just feel like i'm seeing it a lot uh, it was on sale for $6 on PSN and, uh, yeah, I just kind of had my eye on it and I, I'm glad I jumped in cause this game is really fun. It's, um, it came out in 2012, so it's 11 years old now, if you can believe it. Um, I didn't play it when it originally came out, but, um, yeah, I really like it. It's, I, I'm sure most people have played it, but, um, it's, I, I really like kind of the focus on melee combat over, you know, kind of shooting. It is like like any sort of crime based metropolitan open world game from the year 2005 to 2020 uh it that isn't grand theft auto it does feel like a poor man's grand theft auto in many ways <laughs> but it, it really kind of embraces the melee stuff uh and some of the chase scenes which i really like um so i think it does enough on its own to feel like you know it's not just trying to be a gta clone um yeah it also leans into like you're the the you're an undercover cop really well like it's not just sort of a narrative piece but i really like how it kind of interweaves 
um, you know, your role as both an undercover cop and, and, you know, a triad gang member into how you actually do missions. So like, you know, if, if you're, you're in a mission and you're in a car chase and you do a bunch of property damage, or if you hit somebody or stuff like your cop rating goes down and that restricts like how you can level up certain skills in like the cop skill tree. Uh, I really like how there's a lot of like side missions um, where you're like planting a wire or a bug or hacking a camera or like identifying suspects um, and stuff like that. And there's lots of cool little mini games that are in there. So yeah, I really like how it, how it kind of interweaves the, the undercover cop piece into the, into the, uh, the gameplay. Um, Cause it really does make it stand out a little bit from, from, you know, just a traditional GTA experience. Um, it's also like pretty small. Um, by today's standards, uh, which I, is refreshing because <laughs> some of these open world games, like you play for 10 hours and then the actual map opens up to you and you're like, holy fuck, <laughs> I'm already tired yeah. of this. So it's nice to kind of play something that's a little bit more, um, I don't know, um, digestible. Um, so yeah, Sleeping Dogs, I'm really enjoying it again. It was only $6 on PSN. I had a bit of a weird situation, um, and maybe everybody knows this, but I've never encountered this before. I guess this isn't a, this is a game that isn't actually natively supposed to work on PS5. I, I pulled up the game on, like I was, I was on, uh, the PlayStation store on the app on my phone and it popped up on my phone saying this game on your wishlist is on sale. So then I immediately went upstairs, turned on my PS5, and and it wasn't there. I couldn't find it. And so I, I looked it up, and people were saying, like, yeah, you have to buy it in the app. And then when you do that, it will show up in your library and start downloading. Sure enough, that worked. Uh, I played it for, like, five to ten hours. And I it you get a little pop-up when you boot up the game that says you may experience unexpected issues with playing this game on your PS5. And I have had like a bunch of crashes with this game. Weird. So yeah, I've never seen that before, but uh, you know, I, it's playable on PS5, but it, it's almost like Sony doesn't want me to play it. Yeah. Um, but again, Brandon, six... you, you played Sleeping Dogs, didn't you? Yeah, way back. Yeah. Way back. I don't know why I thought it was more recent. No. No. Yeah. Um, the other game I've been playing, um, is a game called, uh, keep talking and nobody explodes. That's a fun um, one. sorry. That's a, that's a fun one. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it's a game I saw that somebody I, I watched stream a lot. Um, I was watching him play it with another streamer and, uh, I thought that looks fun. It was $20, got it on switch. Um, for those who haven't heard of this game, it's kind of like a party game, um, but more of like a two-player couch co-op game where, um, in the case of the Switch, one person has the Switch, and on the screen they have a bomb that's in a suitcase. And it's it's their job to defuse the bomb. But uh, the other person you're playing with, they have the bomb manual, which is either on your phone or iPad. You can even print it out if you want. There's an actual PDF. And the bomb manual has instructions about how to, uh, like what you do in each scenario for each of the modules that are actually on this bomb. So like if I'm the diffuser and I have the switch, I have to describe like I have uh, four wires that are horizontal, uh, three of them are white and one of them is red. And then the person with the manual would look on it and, and see like, okay, if it has four wires and one of them is white, cut this wire so they then have to relay that information to the person diffusing and each bomb would have like 
a number of different modules and obviously there's a timer and if time runs out or if you do the wrong thing a certain number of time uh, it explodes so i played it briefly with my wife and she said it was one of the most stressful experiences she's ever had she <laughs> never wants to play it again <laughs> yeah but um yeah it's a really cool game again kind of a party game but also something you want to play with somebody who like is going to focus it's a bit of a learning curve only because like that bomb manual like you it's not a pick up and play like you actually have to skim that manual a bit first before you try and play because if, if you're trying to read it all the instructions um for the first time before you're actually disarming the bomb then you know time's just going to run out so really interesting did game you tell your wife she owes you 20 dollars? yeah no i'm going to be keep playing it with it with other people i'll try it with her again but uh, okay. she, she did right. say this is cool but i just i need to be in the right frame of mind for this yeah. so um yeah that's it for me though just uh just those two games this week i first played that game actually i've only ever played that game uh when the original psvr came out i think dustin had it and we checked it out. That was a good time. It's it's way different when you're like in the headset and you not only like you can't even make eye contact with the person that made it that like exacerbated the anxiety for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Well, that's all we got today. Um, that's been the show. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Also appreciate you guys who are over in the discord. If anybody else wants to join up, you're welcome to do so over at handsomephantom.com slash discord. You can also uh, sign up and support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. We appreciate it. Also, before I forget, Benji Bop, I remember now, uh, he commented on the last post on Patreon and said, I'm here. He, he's in the Discord. He's very he's active in there. But he commented on the Patreon because I mentioned about nobody comments on the <laughs> Patreon. So he commented last week. So thank you, Benji, for that. We appreciate it. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Have a great week. The HP Podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O, Rainick, Christian Snow, Gravelicious, Benji Bop, and Johnny Waffles. <laughs>